Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Digitally Uploaded Podcast, the companion podcast at digitallydownloaded.net. I'm Matt Sainsbury. I'm the Editor-in-Chief Fellow at Digitally Downloaded. And with me this week, we have two peeps. We have Harvard Peep. Hello, Harvard. Hello, hello. And we have Trent. Hello, Trent. Hello. I don't, I don't like peeps. Peeps, you're, you're my they're peeps. Not, they're not tasty. Here, my peeps. Um, we've got heaps to talk about this week, actually, because it is the uh, the the regular edition of the podcast where we talk about the games of next month, and uh, there's a lot of exciting stuff to talk about there. It's going to be a huge month for playing games, and uh, we're also going to talk about Final Fantasy this week because Final Fantasy is cool, and we're going to we're going to get controversial. We're going to talk about the best Final Fantasy games of all time, and that's going to get heated and stuff. But to start with. To say the least, we all have opinions about Final Fantasy and um, which is the best. And of course, I'm right. Everybody else is wrong. But, you know, we'll delve into that later on in the podcast. Uh, so to start with, though, we're going to listen to some Hatsune Miku music. It's um, it's actually Miku's birthday as of yesterday when we record this, the 30th of August. And that means Miku's been around for 12 years now. Can you believe it? Um, going from strength to strength and... What song will we pick? We will pick. We'll pick Miku Miku You since that's the um, that's one of the first ones. We'll listen to that. And we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. So, the games of September. There is a lot coming. A lot, a lot, a lot of stuff, which is good for everybody but me because I'll be in Tokyo for Tokyo Game Show, and that means my backlog is going to just blow out something severe, um, at least with the PlayStation, because I can take my Switch with me, but it's a little bit harder to cut the PlayStation International. Um, okay, so let's start with the stuff coming out on the PlayStation. So, on... Well, September 3 comes Catherine Fullbody um, to start things off. That game, the review embargoes on that have already lifted. And, of course, it's a very good game and well worth playing. So, yeah, definitely grab that one, especially if you haven't played Catherine before. Here's your chance. Um, 
Also on September 3 comes Final Fantasy VIII Remastered, which is the inspiration for most of the rest of the podcast when we talk about the best Final Fantasy games of all time, because Final Fantasy VIII is one of the best, if not the best of all time. Um, what else we got? River City Girls comes out on September 5. That's Way Forward's latest one. Obviously takes place in the River City Ransom world, but you get to play as the girls this time around, which is neat. Looks really good, actually. Uh, September 6 comes a very big expansion to Monster Hunter in Iceborne. So that's, I don't know. I haven't played Monster Hunter World yet. Is it is it something to get excited for, guys? Anybody? I no? haven't been playing it either. I'm not Monster <laughs> I mean, Hunter, guys, so that's kind of a bad, bad question to ask me. <laughs> but you know, I mean, more content is always good, right, Matt? More content? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's lots more content. Content is great. Everything is about content. Content is king. <laughs> That's what Mr. Bill Gates said once upon a time, and then everybody started calling everything that was worth talking about content, and then it stopped being worth talking about. Anyway, um, September 6 also brings the first of the sports balls games of September, and there's a lot of sports balls games coming out, and that's NBA 2K20. So if you like basketball, you're probably going to look forward to that one. September brings September 10 brings Utawara Ramono Zan. And I'm getting very good at pronouncing Utawara Ramono. Really, Ramon. yeah, I was impressed. That was like <laughs> smooth as yeah, I remember the first time you were like, oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's been a lot of practice, but I'm there now because it is. A, it's actually one of my favorite series, and um, I'm really looking forward to this one. Utawara Ramono Zen is the Dynasty Warriors style action RPG, which is it should be good. It looks really good. Wasn't uh, it originally like a turn-based strategy game, and now it's gone Dynasty Warriors. So Utawara Ramono originally was one of those adult visual novels. Um, in Japan, it never got released in English as that. Uh, and then they decided to add tactics battles to it, Final Fantasy tactics style battles to it. And uh, that's when it got released in the West and grew in popularity. They also did an anime and now they are doing these kind of spin-off games of which Zen, which is the Dynasty Warriors one, is the first one. Oh, so, so they're franchising. Good on them. They are franchising. It actually is growing to be something. It's not quite as big as Fate, but it's following that kind of same path um, where Fate started off as a creepy visual novel for pervs and then <laughs> grew into something quite huge. Um, uh, Utawara Apologies Ramona. to all the Fate fans out there. <laughs> hey, I'm a fan of it because, uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> one of those creepy perv guys. Um, but, yeah, uh, Utawara Ramona is following the same kind of path there, which is cool. Um, good on them. So... Moving on, September 10 brings the second sports balls game uh, in eFootball Pez 2020, which is the dumbest name ever. Konami, just call it Pez, for God's sakes. Um, NHL 20 also comes on the same day. So if you like your ice hockey, then you're probably going to look forward to that. And NASCAR Heat 4 also comes on that day. So if you're one of those weird people that likes NASCAR, then there you go. You're catered for as well. Randy Pritchford's Borderlands 3 comes out on September 13, and we don't care about that. Um... Ellen comes out on September 13 as well, and that looks like a neat little creepy horror game thing, I think, uh, from the previews that I've seen of it. September 17 brings AI The Somnium Files, which is Spike Chunsoft's latest visual novel thing, I think. Is it a visual novel? I think it is. If not, it's ish, visual novel-ish. <laughs> it's a story-driven detective game thing, I think. So it... it from the screenshots, I obviously don't know too much about it, but from the screenshots, it looks pretty neat. Uh, if you missed your chance to play the original Nino Kuni on the PlayStation 3, then you get to play the remaster on September 20, which is a pretty good game, well worth looking into. 
the Surge 2 comes out on September 24. If you like Dark Souls clones and enjoyed the Surge, then I think the Surge 2 is probably a step up from it. You'd hope so anyway. Otherwise, why did they bother? Uh, where are we going next? So there's some weird game called BDSM, which stands for Big Drunk Satanic Massacre, coming out on September 26. Know nothing about it, but on the name of it, I'm keen. A, I'm sold on that one. Yeah, That's, it's a real um, provocative name they got there. <laughs> I'm, 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 well, it's got my attention. That's, let's put it that way. Um, September 27 brings Code Vein, finally. I think that game's been delayed a couple of times, but it's finally out. Unless it's like delayed Vampire again. RPG from, who was it again? Some... Bandai. Bandai, yeah. Bandai's publishing, at least. I don't know who's developing it. But yes, it's a vampire RPG thing, which looks like it takes some inspiration from the Soulsborne stuff. So it looks good. I know that um, people who have had hands-on time with it have walked away with mixed opinions on it, but it looks good. For people who like simulation games, on September 27 comes Tropico 6. Uh, obviously, that's been out on the PC for a while, but if you're like me and prefer to play your games on console, then there you go. And then finally, the last of the sports balls games of September comes out on September 27, which is the big one, which is FIFA 20, which I'm sure will sell 300 billion units, despite having loot boxes and live services and everything that everybody hates. And they'll whinge about it even as they buy loot boxes and live services and FIFA 20. But there you go. That's how the industry works now. So moving over to the Nintendo Switch, what else is coming out uh, that we haven't already mentioned or is unique to Switch? Uh, September I... 13, we've got Damon X Machina, which is going to be You're really right. good. You're jumping ahead there. Howard. Oh, sorry. Did I miss one? Very naughty. Yes, uh, Spyro. Spyro comes on September 3. Oh, does it? Huh. Yes, onto the Switch, the trilogy. So you can pick that up, which is pretty cool, I think. If you like Spyro, then you're probably going to enjoy playing it on the go. Um, and then uh, September 6 brings Gun Gun Pixies, which... Harvard, it's probably just as well. Trent, uh, Alan's not on the podcast this week because just mentioning that one would flip him out. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, Compile, let's not talk about that. It's Compile Heart's latest one. Um, it's a first-person shooter, or not first-person, third-person shooter thing where you play as a really little pixie and um, the girls are, well, lots of upskirts, let's put it that way and move on. Is that only Switch? Well, it was originally released on the Vita ages and ages ago in Japan only, so it's only getting a Switch release this time around, courtesy of P-Cube. That's uh, really weird to have that game be, like, in the West, Switch only, of all places. Well, the Switch is where all this stuff is going these days. Yeah, it's so strange. Yeah, Switch no, it's is like the new v uh, Vita. It is, it really is. It's like, the new everything now. If, if you go to the Japanese Switch store and you pull up the Coming Soon, it's like 90% visual novels. It's... It's yeah, the the visual novel side of things for the Switch is is just massive, which is which is good because I like my visual novels. Uh, and actually, speaking of visual novels, jumping back a little bit to September five, if my heart had wings comes out, and I know that doesn't mean anything to anybody who's not a fan of visual novels, but it is a very uh, beautiful one with some lovely art style, and it was originally released in two thousand and twelve, I believe. So this is a console version of it. And yeah, I was yeah. going to say that's a bit of an older one, isn't it? Yeah, it is an older one, but it is it, it has a good reputation. It's a popular one, and yeah, it does look does look lovely. So on the Switch, it should be good. Um, moving back forward, yes, we'll get to Harvard's one now. Damon <laughs> Machina. Damon I'm so Machina. excited. Okay, tell us why you're excited for this one, Harvard. So I don't know if... Oh, we've lost Harvard. Can giant robot games? Oh, hello. Sorry, 
Yeah, we lost you a little bit there. Harvard, we had a oh. bit of a technical glitch. 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 Sorry. Glitch. There, that's glitch. what I was looking for. Glitch. So you want to start that again? <laughs> yeah. So if anyone remembers the Armored Core games back when From Software made giant robots, um, a lot of the people from those teams came together to make a giant robot game for Switch. And the demo looks great. The gameplay looks great. It just, it's good. There hasn't been a lot of giant robot games lately. And it's time just lovely. So people will be finished up with Astral Chain just in time to play Damon X Machina. Oh, yeah, so... definitely. Switch owners going to get really spoiled with this one. Yeah. <laughs> Nintendo has been good with um, feeding the Switch, obviously. And, uh, yeah, Astral Chain did just come out, and it's a very good game as well. So having those back-to-back -back is pretty neat. Um Star Wars Pinball comes out on September 13. I just want to put a little call out to that because Star Wars Pinball comes from Zen Studios and it's there's a lot of Star Wars tables. They're all very good. And it wasn't actually included in the original release of the uh, Switch Zen Pinball 3. So you'll have to buy it separately, but well worth it because those are good pinball tables. Uh, what else have we got? The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening comes out on September 20. And I know Trent's really keen on that. I'm still not sold on the art style. It still looks the like... The art style's great. <laughs> it <laughs> looks like Secret of Mana. I keep saying this. It looks like the Secret of Mana remake. Oh, the remake. Yeah. yeah. It scares okay. me something severe. But I'm hoping it's good because actually Link's Awakening is kind of my favorite of the entire Zelda series. So Once you sit down it's, it's really it. on. It's going to be great because you'll see the art style. It looks nice and like clay. Like it look, it look great. It'll bring you back to your childhood memories. That's 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 the, that's the promise. <laughs> well, well, you're not. My attitude with it. Oh, sorry. It's I'm like gonna... I like that every Zelda game has a new art style and they're trying new things with each one. That's what I like. So I'm just like maybe this one will be the one time they try the clay thing and they'll just do something new next time. <laughs> yeah. I... Let's put it this way, Trent, you're not often right, but you were right about Rabbids um, being good. So I'm, hope I'm, I'm hoping that you're right about this one as well. Hey, <laughs> I was right about down. Astral Chain. Like, I normally don't look into those games. And I was like, Astral Chain's going to be good. And I started playing it. I'm like, wow, this is good. Except for that bloody dog thing. Like, put, put some water on that woman. <laughs> I, I, I was being mean. You do get a lot of good games right, Trent. <laughs> you do call a lot of good ones, so fingers crossed you call this one good too. Um, to, 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 Dead, Light, Dead by Daylight comes out on September 24. If you like your stalker horrors, then you're probably going to enjoy that one. Uh, on the Switch, on the go, I don't know why you'd actually buy that since you have to be online to play it, and with the Switch you'll often not be online. But anyway, I'm sure some people will care about it. Uh, Darksiders 2 the definitive edition comes out on switch on september 26 so you can pick that up if you enjoy your darksiders on the go uh september 27 brings the nintendo switch port of dragon quest 11 um which obviously has been around on playstation 4 for quite a while but if you get it on the switch you can play it 8-bit style which i'm really looking forward to um I, I like my dragon quest top down and retro style so i think that the art style with that uh, you can play it in the original as well with the full 3d and stuff but yeah eight bit all the way for me with dragon quest did you catch the promotional controller for the switch dragon quest the slime yeah yeah and they've got like a labo treasure chest thing too i'd missed the treasure chest but yeah the slime controller is pretty cool that was actually done for the playstation 4 as well it's completely impractical oh if yeah absolutely and... that's why you play with it right <laughs> if you go and uh if you go and check it out on google uh, it, it is a controller that you could only possibly play a turn-based rpg with because if you needed any kind of action ability whatsoever that thing would kill your hands but it does look good it looks really great 
Um, what else we got? We also have Ori and the Blind Forest. That comes out on September 27th for the Switch. That was a nice announcement that came from Gamescom a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, Microsoft is pushing a Switch game out there. And it happens to be the one game that I almost wanted to buy an Xbox for. So I get to play it and not have to worry about the Xbox. You can still buy the Xbox for the greatness of Forza. No. No. <laughs> no. See, that's that's why I start to think you're wrong again, Trent, and I'm now worried about The Legend of Zelda because you said Forza's good. No. Forza is good because Forza <laughs> Horizon has the Lego expansion pack, and that is like brilliance that is like the best thing ever created there is a radio station devoted to everything is awesome you mean just plays that one song over and over again yes okay no that's your positive attitude as if it's a good thing i feel like after half of that song i would want to switch switch it off and never go back to it well, well, it sometimes has a remix version of it, and sometimes like the the radio guys are like, "Oh, great, we've got everything is awesome playing again right after oh everything God. is awesome." Do you know what that reminds me of? This is a Simpson episode where Homer releases a song, and then they play the same song six times in the radio station, but with different types of remixes, and it's described as a special kind of hell. And I think that that's as close as we're going to get to that in real life. No. It's great. <laughs> you freaking um, master and just to finish off i did want to mention a couple of games that come out on october 1 but um yeah it's pretty much september so if you're budgeting you should probably um keep an eye out for these as well you know a girl that a girl who chants love at the bound of this world <laughs> comes out on october 1 that's what kind of name is that that's a very long-winded name for a game that you really should check out um go and google it and uh, yeah it's a good looking game uh, and then, actually, October 1 also brings a whole deluge of Baldur's Gate and classic RPG stuff to the Switch as well. So Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate 2, uh, Planescape, and I believe also Icewind Dale. All of those games come out on Switch on October 1. If you're like me and you remember, have fond memories of playing those games back in the day, having them on the go on a console, it's pretty cool. That's great and all, but let's go back to September. Untitled Goose Game is coming out. Ooh, oh yes, it is September twenty. It's not on my list. That's why I forgot about it. But it announced was just this morning, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was just announced this morning. So that's going to be the greatest Australian game of all time. It comes out on September twenty, and it lets you play as a goose that's basically a dick. Um, <laughs> you steal farmers' lunches, throw them in lakes, and basically, you know, you, you get to terrorize these dudes as a goose. And that's pretty much my life. You know, that's what I've always wanted to do in my life. And um... I love the pitch for that game. It's like it's a stealth game. But you're trying to be spotted for as long as possible. Yeah, it's 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 it should be a very interesting game. It looks mechanically interesting. The concept is hilarious, and it's um it's an Australian game. So yeah. good to support on that basis as well. Um, on that note, we're going to go to music. Ooh, actually, Matt, there's one more that you might like. Sorry to take up so much time. Oh, okay, sure. There's, there's a game coming out on uh, Switch and PC on September 6th called Creature in the Well. And it is a dungeon crawler slash pinball game. So you swing your sword and you bounce um, projectiles around like pinball balls and you get combo points and all that. Looks really cool. I'll check that one out for sure. Cool. So as we said, an awful lot of stuff coming out in September um, to look forward to and play and enjoy. And yeah, 
let us know what uh, ones you're keen on, listeners, in the comments of the podcast. I don't think I've ever actually asked people to comment on podcasts, but there you go. I've done that now. Um, we're going to go to some music from Baldur's Gate, and then we're going to come back and talk about Final Fantasy. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, so as we promised, we're going to talk about Final Fantasy. The reason we're talking about Final Fantasy is that Final Fantasy VIII Remaster comes out basically by the time you're listening to this podcast. So we are right back into Final Fantasy and we're thinking about it, so we're going to talk about it. And what we're going to do is we're going to break Final Fantasy up into its various generations and we're going to talk about, I guess, what... What was the best of each kind of generation of Final Fantasy and what is possibly the, you know, the better Final Fantasy games overall. So if we start and we'll start with the NES Final Fantasy. So this is Final Fantasy 1, 2 and 3, the genesis of the series. And I just realized that this is probably not going to go so well since Trent and Harvard were not born when these games came out. <laughs> oh, what generation? No. Wait, wait, what are you, are you criticizing my age? What? How old am I not meant to be? You're all too young. You don't remember Final Fantasy or the NES. Yeah, no, but that was definitely that. Uh, Eighty-seven was definitely way before my time. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay, <so laughs> no, I have played all those three games. So. Oh, you have played them. Okay, that's good. So we can talk about you having played them. Um, I've only played the new remastered versions, but I know them. Oh, you've played the pretty versions, not yeah. the hardcore, ugly as anything originals as they appeared on the the original consoles. Okay, well. Um, Harvard, tell us of those three Final Fantasies, which one do do you find the most engaging? And I guess the big question with these three are: is there a reason to play them today, or is it really just something for pure nostalgia for people who, like me, are old enough to actually have grown up with this series? Yeah, the one thing I've never understood, Matt, is that you can enjoy the NES Final Fantasy One as it was origin originally released. Because... I do. I play it every year. I still play it every year through at least. No, one. but. The the remaster actually makes it extremely good, but if you go back to the way it was, it's it's near unplayable. It it's so incomprehensible the way that the the old systems were designed. Oh, you're talking about the magic magic system and the stuff. magic system, the encounter system, the difficulty right. curve, the weird <laughs> battle graphics. All right, so the magic system actually comes directly from Dungeons and Dragons back in those days. So back in those days, Dungeons and Dragons worked on a kind of level based spell system for magic users where at level one you'd have access to a certain number of a certain number of spells and they were the weakest ones by the time you got to level five you had you know some small powerful spells that you could use at a limited number 
and you'd have a lot more of those low-level spells and so on and so forth. So they actually just took that system wholesale and stuck it into Final Fantasy 1, and that was where that came from. I found that to be quite playable, I guess, because I was also playing a lot of Dungeons & Dragons back then. So to me, it kind of made sense just from, I guess, familiarity. So um, yeah, I, I certainly agree that, especially for people who did not grow up playing the early editions of Dungeons & Dragons, the revised spell system that they've got in Final Fantasy 1 now makes a lot more sense because now it is just that magic point it's system. It's just mana so, points, yeah. Yeah, That's, yeah. That should be the standard. That well, we, it is. We made it, it that way for a reason. <laughs> it, is, it has become the standard for that reason. Uh, I think it is a much better system and uh, on, a, on a kind of mechanical level. So, yeah, but I know, I know you've mentioned it a couple of times before whenever we talk about Final Fantasy 1, why that spell system is there. So I figured I'd fill you in because it wasn't just random. They actually did okay, that for a particular fair. reason. Yeah, they were looking yeah. to... Because remember, Final Fantasy 1 and Dragon Quest 1, they were both attempts to do Dungeons & Dragons in video game. So the developers of those games were very much inspired by Dungeons & Dragons and they wanted to do their take on it. So that's where the entire JRPG series came from. So it makes a lot of sense that those early games would be closely modelled under after the D&D experience. Yeah. I've also got my controversial opinions about the first three games. Um, game one, not controversial, completely holds up. Absolutely everyone should go play it. Game two, Final Fantasy two, holds up. It's got silly systems and a silly plot and everything about it is weird, but I enjoy it. And then Final Fantasy three does not hold up. Do not play this game. Ooh, that is very controversial. Because I was going to say probably of the three, Final Fantasy three, I would say is the better one um, as a game. I, I have that nostalgia for the first, uh, and I enjoyed the second for various reasons. The second one actually was the one that introduced a lot of Final Fantasy elements. Like chocobos don't exist in Final Fantasy one, but they are there in Final Fantasy two. That's where chocobos first appeared. Um, and Final Fantasy two was also the one that gave characters names of their own and personalities. Oh yeah, and like stuff. characters aside from generic fantasy person. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So Final Fantasy two was the first one to introduce characters as plot points rather than just avatars that you maneuvered around the world. So Final Fantasy two was quite innovative, um, but Final Fantasy three. The only real innovation it brought to Final Fantasy was the uh, job system. It was the first of the series to have a job system. But, yeah, I really enjoyed, I think, everything about Final Fantasy III. Admittedly, I never played the original because it was a Japan only. Uh, the only one I've ever played is the 3D remake. Hmm. What do I feel about so, Final Fantasy? Oh, yeah, sorry, Trent. I just realised I have played the originals, but the Game Boy Advance version. Yeah, exactly, the better versions. Yes. Oh, the Dawn of Souls, which is... One yeah, two Dawn together. of Souls and Final Fantasy 3. Final Fantasy 3 was never released on... Oh, that GTA. was DS and then that iOS. Was DS. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, Trent, since you have played them, or at least the first two, which which one do you remember them? Because it would have been a while ago you played them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, was, I was like, what, did they come out in like 2004? That was a long time ago. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm like actively researching why we're on the podcast here and I'm like oh I played these I remember this and I'm like oh yeah <laughs> I I probably from memory I probably played not a lot of it anyway so even if I did remember the games I probably wouldn't have had an opinion on either or either um, I probably would say I enjoyed the first one the most because that probably would have been where I started and then I would have played the second one yet so 
yeah, that 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 seems like a me thing. <laughs> no, it makes sense. The first one is the remastered first one is most similar to what you find in JRPGs today. The remastered second one still has the the weird systems, which is like leveling up your characters by getting hurt and casting spells over and over, and you know, no XP and stuff like that. Well, I mean, that system is kind of an early version of what we see in a lot of Elder Scrolls stuff now, right? Because it is, but it's not explained it's, very well. No, it isn't. And I, I'm not, not kind of defending the system. I think it was not a great system, but it was a kind of pioneer in that. Yeah, they tried. You, you leveled up, you or you got experience and you leveled up by using abilities, which is not a bad idea. You know, we've seen it done quite well in lots of RPGs since. So, again, it's quite innovative, but not necessarily a great game today which is why we probably don't see it too often. I mean, we see Final Fantasy 1 still plastered everywhere because Square Enix just can't get enough of re-releasing that thing. Um, But yeah, we don't see the same interest in Final Fantasy 2 or 3. Final Fantasy 2 definitely gets the... When you're making a uh, ranked list, it's the designated bottom because no one's going to be mad at you putting it at the bottom. (laughs) Except for Final Fantasy VII is actually the one on the bottom, but we'll, hey, we'll, hey, uh, hey, we'll get to make that. Make them mad when we get there. <laughs> um, moving on, let's talk about the Super NES ones, because I think, I mean, I would imagine for you two, especially, like, the Super NES Final Fantasies would be what you'd think of as your introduction to Final Fantasy. Is that Actually, no. I have no? only played about two hours of each Super NES Final Fantasy. Really? Oh, okay. I know the systems, but only from games that adopted them and, like, made it more modern. So even with the availability of Final Fantasy 4 and 6, 5's a little yeah. bit harder to 5. I own have... all three of those games like three or four times on different systems. I've just <laughs> never gotten into it. See, right. I'm, see, I'm with Harvard. Like, my introduction to Final Fantasy is literally anything which, which was released on the Game Boy Advance. Like, I knew of the series before then, and I probably played, oh, like, these three a little bit of the, so- the Sony ones. But if it was released on the Game Boy Advance, I most likely played it. But I'd be fondest memory i have is with tactics so that's kind of where i am with the start of the series Ooh, so. tactics advance yes we're not we're I not talking tactics. about tactics we'll come no. back to that we're not talking it's about so we're not talking about the spin-offs we're not talking about them just yet okay. because otherwise i'll start talking about chocobo dungeon and you really don't want me to start talking about that okay um yeah, okay well, it's like star wars the spin-offs are the better thing like the you know star wars movies are shit and then you've got like um you know the spin-off one where it was like a prequel to one of the movies uh rogue one is it i don't know who cares um and it's like the best film ever so it's like final fantasy the equivalent of that We'll get to that point. Yeah. Later. But <laughs> I, guess, I, guess I, get, I guess I get to be the expert on the Super NES Fantasies by default then, since I have played them all. Um, okay, so quickly running through them. Final Fantasy IV, well, that was kind of the first you know, big step up because the NES obviously set down, uh, the, the NES trilogies as such set down Final Fantasy as a genre, as a game and kind of really helped to establish the JRPG genre. Final Fantasy IV was the first one to step it up a notch to start to really explore what would become the uh, the, the JRPG template, I guess. So it, it was, was the, the one, first ATV game, right? It was the first ATV game. It was the first game that had a really intense character-driven narrative uh, because you had this character called Cecil. He was the lead protagonist, which is a pretty silly name, I guess, today. But um, Cecil started out as a dark knight and then midway through in a huge twist, he uh, renounced everything that he stood for beforehand and became a paladin, which reset him down to level one. So you had to then, you know, level him back up mid-game. And it was... um, 
mechanically it was interesting, but also you know in terms of storytelling and the the philosophy behind it, it was a it was a really clever moment. And I guess that was the moment that Final Fantasy started to show that it was more than just a game; that it could be a storytelling experience as such. Um, so that was yeah, Final Fantasy is actually it's still a game that i would recommend people play today because it does have a very a, a narrative that feels contemporary enough um to to play final fantasy 5 is the kind of the lost one square enix doesn't do too much with it anymore uh you don't get so many re-releases it's never been remastered into you know 3d like uh, final fantasy 4 has which is a pity because it's um it's an interesting one it's uh it's got the most advanced job system of the early era of Final Fantasy, it had a really complex one where you could mix and match character jobs and. Oh, is that's where um Bravely Default gets the job system from, right? And like Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah, a lot so of that. Have a secondary all... job and yes. mix and match the skills. Yes, that's it. All of that comes from Final Fantasy V. It wasn't so. I guess the characters in that one are, are not quite as memorable, um, and that's possibly why it's kind of the lost soul <laughs> of Final Fantasy. But yeah, it's. It's an interesting one, and it has some good boss fights, and um, yeah, it's got its moments. But it's yeah, it's definitely not the highlight of the series. Let's put it that way. Final Fantasy VI, which regularly does appear in people's top Final Fantasies of all time, is a very good game. It's a very very good game. Um, again, because it is such a strong narrative, and it's uh, it's got the first villain who's kind of iconic to Final Fantasy in Kefka. Um, what a magnificent villain Kefka is. And it's a very intense storytelling-driven experience. Uh, it has a huge cast of characters, and it's quite fluid in the way it uses its characters. So you'll be moving between different sets of characters constantly, depending on what moment of the game you're into. And, uh, yeah, it is it is definitely the most current. And I am I kind of... Well, I wish that Square Enix would remake it into HD, but I also don't because they probably screw it up. They have. They did the iOS remake. You don't want to play it. The iOS remake's not 3D though. Like uh, I'm oh, talking 3D. about. Oh, 3D. Sorry, I yeah, thought yeah. HD. No, not HD. I mean, the the sprites of that remake is uh, woeful. They should have just kept with the pixelation and um, the gorgeous art that they originally had, but they you messed need to that do up. Like a like a Final Fantasy VII remake, 3D kind of Final Fantasy VI. Yeah, something like that. Um, that would be cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a. The the game has an incredible narrative. It's such a strong storytelling experience. It's very contemporary, very modern. It, you know, most JRPGs today can't even approach the kind of the depth and the intelligence of Final Fantasy VI. It was, it was a rare masterpiece. Um, yeah, what I respect about it too is that they got that emotional impact out of sprites, which is really difficult compared to everything else in this nest. Well, they did, and the, I mean, the sprites, the, the emotional impact is a combination of the story, the incredible artwork, um, and, of course, the music. The music is absolutely stellar in Final Fantasy VI. Uh, every, every time you go to a Final Fantasy concert now, you're guaranteed of getting at least some Final Fantasy VI music because uh, orchestra, uh, you know, when, it, when it's done by an orchestra, it's just such a powerful bit of music, which is another reason I'd like to see the game remade because, properly remade, because it deserves an orchestral soundtrack. Um, we'll go to some music from that right now, since we ended this section. We'll come back and talk about the more recent generations of Final Fantasy. But uh, yeah, Final Fantasy VI, definitely play it. Uh, it's, objectively speaking, <laughs> it's the top of um, the early era of Final Fantasy.
And we are back. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the Final Fantasies that younger people, i.e. Harvard and Trent, and probably most of the people listening to this podcast, Scott, I feel old sometimes. We're going to talk about the ones that um, everybody knows, basically. And it <laughs> so starts fun. with the movie Final Fantasy, The Spirits of the How great is that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, we don't talk about these things. Um, we're talking about the PlayStation Final Fantasies first. So Final Fantasy 7, 8, and 9. 7 and 9 have been readily accessible for a long time because Square Enix puts them on everything. Final Fantasy 8 was a lost game. Famously, Square Enix lost the code. Um, but like I mentioned at the start of the podcast, thanks to some magic, um, they've actually managed to find a version that they can, um, I guess reverse render or whatever and uh they've managed to extract the code and they've done a hd remaster of it and it's actually a very good port it's a very high quality remaster uh it's actually done by dot emu emu Emu? yeah yeah so i didn't realize that until i went into it but they're very (laughs) they're very pronounce it as like the australian bird yeah and not emulation yeah yeah it's actually dot emu but yeah dot emu um but yeah they they're very good at taking old games and remastering them uh, and they've done a really good job with final fantasy 8 so congratulations to them on that but let's talk about the games uh trends have you actually played these three what three are we up to seven eight nine ps seven eight eight nine no Okay, Harvard, have you I'm played I'm more them? of a 10 onwards <laughs> kind of person. <laughs> okay, we'll get we'll get to you next then. Harvard, did you have played the three, right? I the have three? played this, but I also sympathize with Trent. Um, PS1 era is a bit too old for me. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. I feel so old, you guys. I'm creep- <laughs> the PlayStation era is the one with that chick which dies, right? Yes. Yes, that's <laughs> Final Fantasy VII, which... That's Final um, Fantasy VII. Yes. It's a pretty That's good game. That's literally all I know. Before, before Matt gets to say his opinions on it, Final Fantasy VII is a pretty good game. Um, good story. Good, it, really good opening. So they set up some interesting themes about environmentalism and like what it means to be a hero and stuff. Kind of gets dropped halfway through, which is sad, but you know it starts off well. It's the one Final Fantasy, I think, where the reputation of the games actually got worse over time. <laughs> That's, um, That's I, I mean... Because if you think about it, it's the really the first Final Fantasy that took mainstream appeal. You know, it was the first "Whoa, this is 3D" kind of game, and it was the first. I think it was the first one ever to be released in Europe or something like that. I feel like Europe didn't get four and six, but I could be wrong. I don't know the story there, but yeah, definitely Final Fantasy VII did bring Final Fantasy to global mainstream um, popularity, and it was very fondly remembered as the best Final Fantasy for most people for a very long time. Um, I never thought that, to be honest, (laughs) but I do feel like its reputation has soured over the years, I think because it's a little bit simpler than a lot of other Final Fantasies. Like you said, there is those themes about environmentalism and what it is to be a hero and all that kind of stuff. But really, when you look at the, you know, um, the villains and kind of caricature villains, they're a little bit, you know, simple. Um, no, but, but that's the thing as well. Like, the setup for Sephiroth was really, really good. The way that the story kind of had the shadow of his existence over all of it, that was cool. And then you met him, and then I was like, ah, oh. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he, he just becomes this giant walking cliche. Oh, he's a bad dude, you know. Um, and Cloud, I feel like he does... I mean, Square Enix has done the grumpy hero thing so much better than Cloud in the years since as well. Yeah, uh, we'll he, actually, he wasn't that grumpy. It's just that the the memory of that game has put that attitude onto him, like Advent Children and the extended universe and just 
the stuff people remember. But oh, if you play from the start, it's like he's a, it's pretty he's a dude that's burning with generic rage a bit. <laughs> um, it's it's uh, like uh, Niku on um, on uh, the world ends with you. A bit uh, a bit angsty, bit uh, bit uh, on teenage. Neku, yeah, yeah, yeah the teenage angst gone. Yeah, he's so yeah. The and I think um, also the big thing about Final Fantasy VII was that emotional resonance of what happens to Ares. Um, you know, she dies. That's not a spoiler anymore. We can actually talk about it. Shut up anybody who gets upset at me for spoilering, spoilering that. Um, she dies. And for a lot of people, I mean, that was a very important moment in video game development history, storytelling, because before then, heroes didn't die, right? <laughs> they well, they never they, died. They did all not the time. Often. They not, just didn't get a, talked about as much. Not in major games. There was some maybe perhaps niche ones or whatever, but in terms of major mainstream RPGs, heroes did not die. And they weren't gone for good. Yeah, that's if fair. they did. So or at least not halfway and then, you know, you feel And on top of that, game. it was the hero that was kind of the love interest as well. <laughs> so, you know, the the love interest also did not tend to die in these games. So it was a high impact moment for a lot of people. And, you know, a lot of people will tell you they cried when they first saw it because they weren't expecting it and uh, they hadn't had it spoiled on them and all of those things. So that was a moment that I think we've lost in Final Fantasy VII since. So when we talk about it now, it just doesn't have the same resonance that it did back then. So, um, yeah, it's a little bit unfortunate for that game, I guess, but... It is what it is. I never really liked it that much anyway because it was so bloody ugly, to be honest. Even when it was new, it was just... I, I couldn't stand the look of that game. I thought it was horribly broken aesthetically. Um, but that's why I was so happy when Final Fantasy VIII came along. Final Fantasy VIII was the first Final Fantasy that I got really hooked on and spent a lot of time playing and replaying. And, you know, that was, that was the moment where I really fell in love with Final Fantasy as a series, I think. Um, beyond just a game that I like to play. Final Fantasy VIII had it all, and you'll get to play it, I guess, when you can play the remaster if you haven't played it before. It has amazing characters. Um, Squall's actually interesting for a silent dude, a silent cranky dude. Um, the villains in this game are much more nuanced than the, in Final Fantasy VII. You know, Sifa, who originally is, I guess, the antagonist, he's... Um, He's a complex dude, and then yeah, the, the I don't want to give away too much just in case people haven't played it. But um, yeah, the the plot revelations about how all the characters know each other and how they got you know involved with one another is pretty impressive too. Uh, the supplementary characters are great. Selfie is the first waifu ever. <laughs> she was, I, I love Selfie so much. She likes trains. Uh, and Irvine was pretty cool dude. He was the gunslinger with the really cool hat. And uh, this this game was really great. It had great visuals. Um, the character models were not the ugly blocks of Final Fantasy VII. So it was a huge step up for the series, I feel. And, yeah, I'm glad that people get to rediscover it. It was a controversial game because it had some... I mean, the, the gameplay system rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Uh, but I think over time that's dulled a bit, and I think people are reappreciating the game now. And then we move to Final Fantasy IX. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I don't know a thing about Final Fantasy VIII. It was famously the one that got away from me. <laughs> well, it's been hard to play. It has been very hard. Not just to play. that. I just have I have it on PC. I just haven't gotten into it. You, oh, okay. What you said about the systems is right. Like it's not it. It's something which you do need to do a bit of reading to get into. 
Yeah, and if it doesn't click for you, then it, you know you're going to suffer through it. Yeah, it is. It is a different Final Fantasy too, and um, for people who were expecting Final Fantasy to be Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy VIII was a little bit different um, from Seven, which is why. Oh, I... Also, before we move on, Final Fantasy VIII, hands down, best soundtrack. Such it a has soundtrack. a great soundtrack. The music amazing is amazing. Soundtrack, end to end, brilliant music. Um, yeah. I... I got all the time in the world for the Final Fantasy VIII music. It's my, my favorite Final Fantasy song of all time. That's not Good King Mog. Is um, Man with the Machine Gun. Man with the Machine Gun. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's like, a great. Just the battle themes and maybe I'm a lion or whatever it's called. Like all the good songs. Yeah, it's great. Um, but then, yeah, Final Fantasy IX is one that a lot of people really love. Uh, I think it's because it's a very classical Final Fantasy. It's setting the fantasy for a world for a start um final fantasy 7 and 8 experimented with more science fiction and this final fantasy 9 was a, a real return back to the classic final fantasy setting um and yeah i i enjoy it enough i guess um i don't have too stronger opinions on final fantasy really 9 really so if either of you two have played it then take it away tell us why we should care about it no <laughs> you haven't tried <laughs> no <laughs> I think this is also the only one that I don't own somehow. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I know it's on Switch, but I haven't bought it in case it's on my Vita or whatever, but, you know. <laughs> I have too many games to play before I get around to it. Yeah, it's... It is a... It, I feel like we really should have somebody on the podcast that really loves Final Fantasy IX because um, there are people out there that are absolutely passionate about it. I don't dislike the game by, by any means. I just don't love it either. Um, it's got interesting enough characters i guess see Matt, see the problem is i grew up in the country and you know all these eras of final fantasy 9 stuff they're all when we were kids and if i bought a japanese game especially one like final fantasy you know i wouldn't be the cool kid you know it's all... <laughs> <laughs> who, who mistreated you in high school <laughs> <laughs> moving on, moving on to modern era Final Fantasy. Um, so after, after, I mean, as you would have heard from the podcast, it, you can neatly character, uh, categorize Final Fantasy into trilogies per console generation beforehand. After the play, PlayStation, that went away a bit. Uh, there was two that were released on PlayStation 2, um, which was Final Fantasy X and Final Fantasy XII. Final Fantasy XI was an MMO, which um, was basically a PC-only release. Um, it was released on ps2 in japan i think but for most people out here in the west it was a ps pc only release then final fantasy 13 well it was a trilogy i guess but it was the only final fantasy on playstation 3 and uh, playstation 4 has only had the one so far which is final or sorry it's got two it's got play final fantasy 14 which is another mmo and final fantasy 15 which is the only i guess single player final fantasy that's been released on that console um a numbered one anyway so, uh, off that lot, which is your favourite? Revelant Wings. Of the numbered Final <laughs> Fantasies on PlayStation. It's, it's, uh, uh, it's, it has a number. It has number <laughs> X11. I've genuinely 12. forgotten that game stop rail, Stop railroading the podcast, Trent. Just tell us, of the numbered Final Fantasies of the modern era, which one would you be your pick? So the problem is, uh, you all got, you got me convinced to play 14, is it? The MMO. I right. got stuck at the character selection screen. I was just like, this is too confusing. What one too do I options, pick? Yeah. Too many options. It should be just be a randomized, let me in the game. Do and want, then like... Human or tall boy or short boy? Well, I don't know what the point is of picking a character. Like, do I get different points if I'm... 
not really. Um, but we lost Hart Trent a bit there, I think. Okay. It was probably for the best we've lost Trent a bit there. Harvard. Um, probably for the less. <laughs> oh, Harvard. sorry. We missed out on that. We lost you a bit there, Trent, but that's okay. Oh, um, I was just basically saying, yeah, it was just hard to pick characters in that game. It's crazy. Yeah, well... Um, yeah. Let's we'll talk, talk about of... games where you don't pick characters. Yeah, exactly. Harvard. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, l- I really like Final Fantasy X. Ten. Not a controversial opinion. Most people do. Uh, it's a good game. Well, it's funny because, like we were saying before, um, a lot of these Final Fantasy games, are, uh, they get better respected, I guess, with age. And Ten is actually one of them. I remember Ten being a game that a lot of people did not like when it was out uh, and new. But these days, the love of it's pretty much universal. So Ten was the one where everyone was like, JRPGs are dead, wasn't it? When Ten came out and it was kind of average, and then Call of Duty came out and overshadowed it. Well, it's not that kind of direct correlation, but yeah, 10, because it was that turn-based kind of slow-paced, story-driven thing, um, and because the voice acting at the time was not Hollywood standard, um, yeah, a lot of people were not were not amused by Final Fantasy 10, and the, the same thing happened with Final Fantasy 12. People were not amused by that game on any level, and it's taken the re-release of it for people to realise, oh, hang on, actually the game's quite good, so yeah. with 10 I, though i think 10 it takes what is it like 15 or so hours for you to for it to click and for it to start getting good which is not great storytelling on any standards but you know when you get into it it does get really good well that's funny because the i think final fantasy 13 is going down that same path you gotta play one and a half games to get it well no final fantasy 13 was a game that was also very hugely criticized when it was new a lot of people thought that it was the end of final fantasy as much as, as far as they were concerned and yeah, so on including. but i get the sense that if square enix were to release final fantasy 13 again people would start to re-look at it again because i i think it's this final fantasy effect these games people have certain expectations of them when they're new when that game doesn't meet that those expectations uh, exactly how they wanted it to, they dismiss it. But then later on, they go back to it and they realise that the changes in whatever the the changes without necessarily being stepped down. So, yeah, I think Final Fantasy Thirteen is definitely going to be that game as well. At some point, they'll re release it and it'll be loved because it, Final Fantasy Thirteen has great characters. Uh, Lightning's an excellent protagonist. She's really she's a really great strong protagonist um most of the supplementary characters in final fantasy 13 are also good uh i like saz saz is that how you pronounce oh, it saz i actually saz i can't remember can't i can't remember, remember how to pronounce his name he's a good he's character got, though he's a good character with a chocobo chick in his hair which is pretty neat um i really love fang and vanille they're both great characters they have oh how can you like vanille i love vanille she's my vanille? favorite vanille no yeah, She's a sweetie pie. She's great. I love her. Um, the only character I... I mean, Snow's pretty... Snow starts out as this stupid thug dude. But, um... I like what they do with Snow in the narrative. And, okay. Yeah, exactly. Neil's exactly. narrative, sure. Fine. Um, her character model and her voice acting and whatever, you know, I could do without. But what they do with the story, yeah. Good, they did good things with the characters in the team. Yeah, the only character I didn't like... Even Hope. Hope. Even no, Hope, they like tried. Hope. No, hope is not my hope is not my man. He's um he's he's Van from Final Fantasy Twelve all over again. Oh, uh, I also love that from the PS2 era onwards, every Final Fantasy game just got the worst protagonists, and everyone around them is great. All except what? for thirteen. Lightning's great. 
Vaughn. Oh, no, that's except for 13. But Vaughn in 12 and oh, yeah. Titus in X and then 10 yes. and then... Titus is horrible. Look at the cover art. Like, if, if that was, like, on the cover... That, that's This is why it probably didn't sell well in America and, like, everyone hated it and, like, everyone moved on. Look at the cover art for, like, 10. It is shit. Yeah. The end. It... End of rant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They didn't yeah. do a great job of selling them on these games. Well, what Trent's referring to, podcast listeners, um, in Japan, Final Fantasy has traditionally just been the logo on a white background, and it's been gorgeous and um, very elegant way to display a game. For whatever reason, with the Western releases, uh, Square Enix felt like they needed to graphic them up, so they've been kind of overwrought, overly coloured, um, filled cover art, and it's been... It's, it's, it's like not... how Nintendo games get the angry faces on the American Oh, games. yeah. <laughs> angry yeah, it, yeah, the the localization of the cover arts of Final Fantasy has always been a, an odd one. But, um, yeah, that's that's rather unrelated to the quality of the game. But, yeah, you're, to go back to your point, Harvard, you are right. Um, the protagonist in a lot of these Final Fantasy games is uh, quite annoying. Titus is annoying. Vaughn, he's, I mean, he technically is the protagonist, but he kind of fades into the background, which is good. Um, Lightning's great, but Noctis from Final Noctis, Fantasy yeah. is just, oh, he's the worst. I, I love that they play a joke about Noctis just being the angsty teenager at the start. And they're yeah. like, we know he's going to be this guy. Like, this is a Final Fantasy game for Final <laughs> Fantasy players. We're going to make this joke. No- Noctis' boys are good. Oh, he's, yeah, he's, absolutely. He's like, all side great. characters. Love, yeah, yeah, they're awesome. all great. Um, I really like the cooking guy, Ignis. He's my favorite. Oh, Ignis, yeah. yeah. I like Prompto. I like how he just takes photos. Oh, I love like, yeah. I know. He's so he's excited to show you his photos. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're all great, and I, actually I like the beefcake guy too. Um, yeah, Gladiolus is good. I love yeah. it. Like, he in combat he'll like help you out and make a big deal out of it. Yeah, yeah. The Final Fantasy fifteen is a really interesting one. Again, it's been quite controversial on release, and I think it's going to be better um, respected. You know, uh, ten years down the track. But for now, it's uh, it's a bit of an odd one because it's it's not very Final Fantasy. It feels very open world and it feels very different to the other Final Fantasy games. But I find the relationship between the characters to be really good. Um, I, I it, as a kind of road trip boys on the road kind of um, story, I felt it worked and was quite enjoyable for that. Um, which is odd. I don't usually like my JRPGs to be all men. <laughs> I prefer, I prefer the ladies, um, but yeah, I think Final Fantasy Fifteen will be re. Yeah, what I respect about Fifteen is that they can do a Final Fantasy with a unique vision instead of thinking, well, we're this big series now, we have to just play to our strengths. They can still explore new ground. Yeah, yeah, and I'm for hoping sure. they think that the. Well, however long it takes for them to do Final Fantasy 16, I hope they're thinking on the same wavelength. And um, I also like with Final Fantasy 15 the way they expanded the world well beyond the one game. It became a, it became quite a broad media property as such. Because... Yeah, I mean they've been doing that with every game, haven't they? They've done Ivalice for um, not, 12, not... and then they did Fabula Nova Crystallis for 13. Not, not quite to the same extent, I think, with 15, because 15 had the full movie, you know, attached to it. It had a full anime. It had side games. Um, I think Final Fantasy 15 was the first attempt that Square Enix had to create an entire property around a single game, rather than just, you know, a game and then some bonus some stuff. stuff. For yeah, fans. Yeah. yeah. 
So, yeah, I, I hope they do that again with Final Fantasy 16. They probably will because the investment that goes into these games is so huge that if they don't have that kind of expanded media property, then they probably don't make their money back from it. So, yeah. Um, just to quickly touch on Final Fantasy 14, once you get past the character creation thing, Trent, um, you'll find... <laughs> You'll find it's actually a very, very, very good MMO. It's one of those rare MMOs that actually has a story that's worth following, especially if you are a classical fan of Final Fantasy. It does follow a very traditional Final Fantasy story. It's got, I mean, it's content-filled because it's an MMO, but it's got huge... It's kind of a love letter in every single way to Final Fantasy, and you'll find references to just about everything you've ever loved about Final Fantasy in there. And it has the best Final Fantasy song of all time in Good King Milk. See, also the other problem is when I'm at the character creation screen, every choice is uh, being psychoanalyzed by myself. And I'm like, oh, well, if I pick this, what do people think about me? Oh, am I picking this character for this reason? Am you I, do know. Like, am I playing into stereotypes by picking this character, making it a girl and giving it big tits? Like that sort of but shit. Like, dude, it's still not covered in your equipment. No one's going to see it. Trent, you do know that you can just like not do any customization. You just pick a character and then go. You don't have to do any of that. Just just get into the game, for goodness sakes. Um, so to quickly touch on the stuff that's not related to the numbered Final Fantasy, the fantasy there's obviously an awful lot of um, side stuff and spin-off stuff. Um, Trent mentioned Tactics, which is a strong series from yesteryear, really. They haven't done a new Final Fantasy Tactics they in a really, while. They but really those need to get good. back to it. They're very good. They do. They do. So the best part about Tactics Advance is, is like, uh, and every time I bring it up, they're like, oh, well, it's on the original. This is why you like the Tactics Advance series. I'm like, like the start, the, the whole, like, snowball fighting scene, like that sort of thing. I like the characterization. I like how it sets you into the game. It's not really like Final Fantasy yet. It's sort of, like, a little bit more grounded. You sort of learn the tactics system with snowball. It's fun and childhood and whimsical. And then all of a sudden, it's like you're in this magical land and you don't know what's going on there's like weird chocobos everywhere and it's like wait did they have chocobos or had the rabbit things they had chocobos they had moogles they had everything in final fantasy yeah it's just it starts to become more whimsical and interesting and then now you're this hero and you have to like like tactics advance is the perfect game I'm glad you're talking about it because War of the Lions, the original Tactics, gets a lot of press and gets re-released every, everywhere. Tactics Advanced hasn't, but Advance has just a devastatingly good story. It's n yeah needs probably to be re-released. Pro probably harder to re-release because it was a GBA game, so the resolution and stuff is lower. Probably needs That's a full true, I guess. Probably needs a prices. full full remake here before they can actually do um, re-release it. Uh, there's also my favorite side series is the Chocobo Dungeon series. I love Chocobo Dungeon, which is the mystery dungeon uh, tie-in where you play as Chocobo, not a Chocobo, the Chocobo, which is a distinct character with his own personality and stuff, and I love him. He's so cute. He's so charming. That one's There's one of those on the Switch, which is well worth looking into. Um, what else? What other side ones are there? Final Fantasy Type-0. I have to put a quick call oh, out to that one. one. Yeah, that's an amazing game that's a much darker final fantasy you even see a chocobo being killed which is very oh, bloody nice. and very very actually it hurts the soul to see it because you just don't imagine chocobos dying um well not graphically dying and this one does but um putting aside the uh hardcore need to be adult stuff final fantasy type zero is actually a very strong story and 
it's it's good. It's different. Uh, and then also Theatrhythm. Oh, yes, absolutely. Because those Curtain are the Final call, Fantasy, fantastic game. Yeah, Final Fantasy rhythm games. And Final Fantasy obviously has such an amazing music um, library from decades of video games. The idea of doing a rhythm game uh, with all that music is a great idea, and it was really well executed, especially with Curtain Call, which was the sequel, which had something like 230 songs. It was like 230 songs and then DLC as well, and then it started adding yeah. like Secret of Mana songs. and Yeah, they added that. some stuff from outside of Final Fantasy there. There was some near music in there as well. But uh, yeah, the, the core was Final Fantasy and it was something like 230 songs, which was amazing. Um, so whatever music you liked, there was a chance it, it was probably in that game. So it'd be nice to see them re-release that at some point. That something that that's Kingdom not Builder, which was on the Wii? That you build like oh yes, city. that's a yeah. great one. I love that one. That was really great. That was a Final Fantasy tie-in game as well, yeah. That was on WiiWare. Uh, oh, speaking of that, coming to Switch, Crystal Chronicles. I'm excited. Yes, that's another Final Fantasy game, which was it's originally... Like a party-based action RPG. Yeah, it's like uh, Final Fantasy Diablo, but team-based. And um, yeah, it's for... It was originally released on GameCube, and now it's coming out on Switch soon enough. So See, I've never played the now. GameCube one, but I'm super excited for it. And on that note... <laughs> no, no is, we, I want to end on something even more controversial. <laughs> the only good Final Fantasy games are the ones in Liverance. Ivalice. Ivalice. Yeah, that's not a controversial point, point still stands. <laughs> 12, Tactics, yeah. and um, Revenant Wings. Yeah, they're pretty solid. Yeah, no. Um... <laughs> We're going to music, and <laughs> because Alan's not here to say no, we're going to finish with Good King Mog, my favourite Final Fantasy song of all time. Thanks very much for tuning in. Like I said, do let us know what your Final Fantasy favourites are in the comments or on Twitter or whatever. And uh, we will see you at the next week podcast. Thank you very much, and thanks for being on Trent and Harvard. Yeah.